It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Walks on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you from COG Studios on a Monday, October 4th. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We have uh, an interesting show, the LA Galaxy drawing 1-1 to LAFC and El Trafico. Not exactly the result I think either of those teams wanted. And a pretty lackluster second half. We're going to talk about that game, talk about the statue unveiling beforehand, talk about some extracurriculars that happened afterwards as well, uh, some Julian Araujo news, some international stuff, and sort of looking at the schedule ahead for the LA Galaxy. Uh, and that includes this off week now in an international break for the Galaxy, but it doesn't mean that everybody is on an international break. So that's something to pay attention to as we keep moving on. All right. To help me do all that, he's back, the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Hey, how are your ears? Uh, you hear now? Yeah, I can hear. Yeah, why? Well, I know you went to that concert last week, and you got the VIP sound check. By the way, how were the Hansons? The Hansons? Uh, all three of those fine ladies were were excellent. No, I, I, I saw somebody who I very much enjoy... Uh, and it was funny because I ran into other people who have also been enjoying this particular artist in this particular little tiny tight knit community thing. And we were all like, hey, we've been here since 1990, Kevin, December 23rd, 1999 was the first time I ever went to that particular concert at that particular venue. So uh, that was a really long time ago, FYI. That's really you want to fill us in the venue and the and the artist. So it was this? the the original venue. It's in Santa Ana, and it's the original uh, name of it was called the Galaxy Theater, which is which is funny, being the the show that we're on. Uh, they now call it the Observatory. It was bought by somebody else as observatory. They went from the Galaxy to the Observatory. I always thought I get it. I see what they did. The there. constellation uh, sort of thing there, uh, and then uh, back in. In 1999, on December, on Christmas Eve Eve, I remember my sister asked me, uh, and I was a uh, freshman year in college. Uh, she was, I think, a sophomore in in high school, uh, maybe a freshman, no, a sophomore in high school. She was like, hey, will you take me and three of my friends to this concert? Uh, and I go, well, what's the name of the concert? And they're like, oh, it's called Something Corporate. I'm like, no, what's the name of it? And they're like, no, that's the name of it, Something Corporate. I'm like, oh, well, that sounds stupid. I go, but sure, whatever. She goes, this will be my Christmas present. I'm like, great. That sounds like a great way for me not to have to do stuff. Then I tried getting out of it as it got closer. We went, uh, and then, big surprise, I ended up becoming the bigger fan than really her and her her, her friends. But I was the chaperone for three soft high school sophomores at a place, you know, with uh, a whole bunch of things. I don't think if everybody ever remembers uh, Finch, 
people are like, I have no idea. Some people do. Drive through Records was actually uh, where it started. So at in 1999, Christmas Eve Eve, I was in that exact same building uh, watching something corporate. And the lead singer for that um, and the guy who writes all the songs, his name is Andrew McMahon. My son's middle name is Andrew. Not a coincidence. It was it was done that way on purpose. Um, so yeah, it was a uh, it was fun. Soundcheck uh, got to go eat Chipotle. It was our first night out as uh, as parents, basically because pandemic has sort of delayed that for almost two years. Uh, but it was our first night away from uh, from the youngster, and it was uh, it was it was well enjoyed. I drank two beers on a Tuesday night, Kevin. Well, well, you know, Galaxy and Observatory—that's where the stars are. I, it it all kind of works. By the way, speaking of stars, we were at the Landon Donovan thing. I know I know you want to talk about that, but I had a chance to speak to Tim Lightwicky today, and I told him that his name came up at the ceremony, and he was kind of bemoaning the fact that he didn't he wanted to be there and and uh he's working now as he was at, at when he was at aeg and it was the guy that hired bruce arena he's now opening arenas he's opening an arena for the seattle kraken up in seattle he's opening a new hockey arena uh, uh for the islanders i think uh, it, just outside new york and so I, I i suggested you know the next time you know how some of these arenas have names like the cube and q2 and galaxy um i told him you should name it and have an arena called bruce and it would be the bruce arena like Rolling Stones in concert at the Bruce Arena. I mean, it's one thing that you come up with these horrible jokes. It's the second thing that <laughs> they've been done before. I mean, that's not the first time anybody has ever come up with the but, Bruce Arena. Oh, okay, well, well, here's another one. Then. Yes. Do you know? Do you know what the, the name Arena? How we came to use the name Arena for sports venues? No. How? Arena is actually the Latin word for sand, and the original Coliseum, not the one in L.A., the one in Rome, they had sand on the floor of the of the Coliseum right. because when the gladiators fought the sand kind of soaked up the blood. So it was all sand and the Latin word for sand being arena, the venue came to be known as the arena because of the sand. So there you go. There's our, there's our history lesson for the day. Is that a, the more, you know, the more, the more, you know, doom, doom. there you go. Okay. Glad we could, uh, we could do that. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit. We had a very long day on Sunday. <laughs> can, can we start way, with that? Yes. I was the last one out. And how do you know that Landon Donovan statue is still there? Cause you left before me. I did. Days it wasn't still there actually. And, yeah, we, and it was, and it we was left so there. early that I didn't actually have to go that way in order to go past the statue. So I was able to just shortcut straight to my car. Um, the whole deal. Uh, okay. So, you know, statue unveiling, do the whole thing. We got there early. Um, we were there around two. 215 or so something like that um whenever we went down there got our credentials we went and checked in we hung out for a little while that was the best part of the whole thing by the way was standing up next to the shade so we would stay out of the shade and uh getting to talk to everybody who walked by we saw kobe jones joe Tatino. um who else did we see kevin we saw i mean well overall we saw todd dunovant we saw mike mcgee juninho sarvas it was this yeah and we and we saw uh dan beckerman dan beckerman Dan Beckerman offered to give you a hug. I was there and I witnessed it. Right. So, um, it was, it was great. Uh, funny enough. I did, I did not accept by the way. Yeah. I was going to say, because you know, it's easier for him to stab me in the back when he's hugging me. So, (laughs) Oh, poor Kevin. It's okay. We'll get there. Um, My wife said we were the diamond dogs. Do we, the diamond dogs? Yeah. Is this not there? Yeah. It kind of was Uh, Damian Calhoun was there. Larry Morgan was there. Uh, you and me, um, and then some other people were just sort of walking by and, and sort of going. And so it was nice to see people who you haven't seen in a while. I thought that was kind of a, a fun thing. And most of us have been covering the galaxy long enough that we have a fairly established relationship with some of those guys who came in. I think Sean Franklin was there. Brian Jordan was there. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that were floating around. Oh, um, 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 I, uh, Brian Rowe. I think Brian Rowe was there as well. So I talked to Malia Emma during the ceremony. You did. You did talk to to, to Malia Emma. How how was your, our, our the little uh, the little oh, national she, anthem she, singer? Come on, she's amazing. 
excuse me, she wanted to get her picture taken with Don, Don Garber. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, then, that's something. It was with her whole, with her whole family. And then, and then somebody else insisted, no, just, just you and the commissioner, we're going to do another one. So she got her picture taken. Don Garber had to bend way down. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he did. So anyway, so we went this. Now, here's the thing. Overall, in general, very well executed in terms of just the largeness of sort of the event and how big it felt. Now, uh, from, from talking to fans who were back behind us, Kevin, because we couldn't really measure the crowd from where we were at, uh, they were saying about 300 or 400 fans maybe were, were back behind us. I thought it was more than that. And certainly if you looked at the stadium um, up above, you could see... Uh, that there were people up on the concourse sort of looking down and looking back at everything, too. So um, but go back to that first picture. I can't go back to anything. It's a uh, slideshow. We're just going to let it uh, roll. But um, be- because it looked and felt like a, one of those Comedy Central roasts to me, like Landon was up there on stage and people came up and talked about him and and Sunil and, and Galati and some others kind of gave him some crap. And it, it, it kind of there. See, there's Landon. Landon gets to speak last and, and right. gets to kind of zing everybody. See, it, look, look, it's a Comedy Central roast. Um, no, there's his twin sister, by the way. No, if it, if it was a roast, then it would have been a lot more entertaining. Quite honestly, I thought that they had there. What, what eight speakers spoke before Landon talked or however it ended up, whatever it was. Landon fell asleep about halfway through. We, we went through that and listen, there were some, there were some good things. I thought Garber's speech was okay. I thought actually the best one and gee, big surprise is lecturer. I know everybody hates him, but it was Sunil Gulati who was there. And I thought Sunil was great. And by the way, Sunil took the roast a little bit more than the other guys, which is why it was funny um, and sort of how, how, how it was going. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think overall they did fine. It was way too long. It started a little bit before three and it ended a little bit after four um, whenever it went. And really, you want to see Landon, you want to see the statue, and that should all be expedited to get there. I mean, uh, I, you know, Mike McGee and Todd Donovan speaking, that's fine. There's teammates and they kept it short and they kept it moving. Um, you know, there were just some people I don't think needed to speak now. Now, maybe Landon was like, hey, I really, really want all these people to speak. It's really important to me. And if that's the case, then you have to go up to each of those people and go like, you got two minutes. Like, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> you have to make it quicker because that dra- that dragged on and on. Yeah, and I'm, on. I'm not really sure that his agent needed to speak. I know Richard Moskin's a big deal. Uh, he's, you know, the Scott Boris of soccer agency is probably even bigger. Uh, I, you know, he's D- Landon's agent. You know, what's he going to say? Landon is a really good player. Uh, and then the, the woman who runs Dignity Health Sports Park. I'm not sure what that was all about. Um, I, having Landon's twin sister there was kind of cool. I'm not quite sure. You know, I, that she needed to speak necessarily, but I, I liked her, her being cool. there. I didn't have a problem with her being there. I thought it was cool, right? The whole the whole deal, but it was just it was too long. And and you know, we were supposed to, and it wasn't even in the fact that um, we were supposed to then have scrums with some people and be able to ask some questions, do that, and that kind of got blown out of the water and went sideways whenever yeah. everything ran long. Um, but uh, it, it was it was just it was a little long. It didn't need to be. Now again, if if Landon requested all of that, then gosh darn it, I don't care if it was seven hours long. You do it because it's his day and he gets to sort of uh, put up with that. I should point out we're getting some thunder and lightning around my place. So if we lose connection, that'll be that'll be one of the reasons. So um so it was there. But then Kevin, we get to the most important part of all this as well, which is the statue. Now we have seen the the David Beckham statue. Uh, and we saw the spoof that they sort of did with David Beckham before that. James Corden did it. Uh, it was great. Um, really enjoyed it. The whole deal. I have never liked the David Beckham statue. I don't think it looks that great. I think it's a cool. The, the wavy hand is really weird. I th- see. I don't even have a problem with that. I don't enjoy the likeness of of David. I know David. I've been around him. Very attractive man. Been very close to him. Have seen him up close. That statue doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, reflect 
how he looks. Um, and I feel the same way about Landon as well as with his statue. Now, I'll say it. They're in the same vein. They were created by the same people. So it makes sense that they are about where they are. I mean, to be honest with you, I get more. I get more of the remember whenever Cristiano Ronaldo had that one statue and it was that one bust of his head and it was sort of yeah, all goofy. Like, I, yeah, I, I get more of those vibes than I do just like a really timeless classic statue for that. And that's me. It's an art thing. I understand some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. But I do. I don't think I don't think it's there. I don't know. And I hope they stop trying to do whatever they're doing with it because. Oh, no, they, they got to continue with that series now. And and by the way, the, the, the people that did that are very famous sculpture artist they also did the michael jordan statue in front of the like is it still called the united center in chicago in front of that arena in chicago the bruce arena in chicago yes um but i i think looking around there there appears to be room for six maybe eight statues and so we were talking yesterday about who comes next and i think we all agreed kobe's got to be there yeah i think you know joe joe to, and i don't want to name drop and maybe he doesn't want this out here but joe was saying that he thought maybe he thought obviously i said kobe and cn so we agree we sort of agreed in terms of who was who was supposed to get a statue right which was uh kobe cn robbie Keane uh for the players those are the three player statues and then we think siggy and bruce are on that list too. Uh, by the way, rightfully said, Joe Totino probably needs a statue uh, there as well. But um, you know, I don't know how we how we vote that into happening. But uh, Joe has been doing an amazing job for for however many years he's been doing it for a very long time for the LA Galaxy. Yeah. By the way, why you mentioned Joe? I think I've mentioned this before. I know I told Joe. I listen to satellite radio when I'm driving. I, I turn in you know different announcers. Joe is so far and above everybody else in the country he is by far the best that, that does teams i'm not talking about the national guys he is so far and away the best and when jaime harim retires after next season uh, assuming joe is back which you know i think that's the assumption right he will be he will become the dean of of broadcasters sports broadcasters in southern california and keep in mind this is you know he is in the same vein he's following in the footsteps of vince gully chick hearn bob miller dick enberg who did the angels and rams um jaime harim um, Ralph Lawler. I mean, this is a distinguished group. Roy Story used to do the Kings, and and now Joe is the leader of that group. He's the leader of that pack. He's the guy. He is, and just and he deserves more attention than he, what he gets. He does. You should write an article about him. I'm just I'm just gonna say that. I'm just gonna put that out there and just give I just you a little. I do that. Uh, yeah, I just you, might do that. Maybe, maybe I'll push you to 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 get that done. Um, but. You know, it was just it was just really so I think we agreed. Now, the order is certainly something interesting when you really want to get it. I we were, you know, I think that for, for rightly or wrongly, Kobe hasn't Kobe statue probably should have been first. If we're really talking about, you know, if you do this perfectly and everything sort of lays out that way, um, it should be it should be Kobe. Uh, first, but it didn't happen that way. And so being it didn't happen that way and you went with Beckham first and then you're going with Donovan, which by the way, I sort of understand the direction they're heading. Well, then Kobe has to be next. But, you know, I was also joking thinking, you know, well, the Galaxy have already skipped Kobe over for the first one. So maybe they're going to like do Kobe and Cien at the same time, Mauricio Cienfuegos. So they both like have to share that day instead of it being, you know, these special one-off days. Um, but I would, you know, I, I think Kobe gets the next one. But, you, you know, you are racing against some clocks in a sense. Um, and I think it was rightfully pointed out when we were talking about it. If you're going to do um, Bruce Rena 
then you probably want to do it before Bruce departs this wonderful world and still is capable and able to get up there and accept awards and do all these he's other only, things. He's only 70. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, Kevin, I hate to break it to you. Once you get to the, you know, the 70s, every day is is a blessing. All right. And and Bruce isn't the most calm guy in the world. All right. So, you know, he gets angry sometimes. I'm worried about that blood pressure on occasion. So. Um, for me, it's like one of those is like, well, do you bump Bruce up because of that? Um, you know, same with Kobe and same with CN, not as not in the same extreme ways, obviously, as Bruce. But you, you need to get these guys in while they're still alive because you don't want to have to do one, you know, posh. We already got one. We already got one. And, you, and yeah, you're going to do Siggy's and he's not going to be there. Um, so, I mean, these are what we're thinking in terms of uh, of the statues. I'm sure everybody has their but I can't get past. I think those are it for me. I, I stop there. Those are my statues and I'm done. And there hasn't been anybody who has deserved one after that. As far as I can tell, I'm sure people will have their arguments. I know, uh, you know, Carlos Ruiz was, was mentioned in there. I mean, there's some really great names that have played for the LA galaxy, obviously, and had amazing times. But when you talk about the history with the club and what it means to the club, to me, those are the names that sort of rounded up. Well, so it's, it's like when you talk about the baseball hall of fame, there's a lot of great players, but to be a hall of famer, I mean, that, that there's just, uh, just that one little lift up. And yeah, Carlos Ruiz, you can even say, you know, Zalatan, but he was only here two seasons. Does he really deserve to and, be in the Hall of Fame? No. And, and didn't capture any championships, right? I mean, right. Landon said something really interesting. I thought it was the most sort of profound thing he did, which is he says, and he was thanking, you know, Chris Klein, and he was thanking AEG, and he was talking about how he goes, I am very well aware that it was people who put this statue here, right? It means like there's no algorithm in order to get a statue for the LA galaxy. There has to be people who decide that you are worthy of a statue. And for, in a way like the, like the baseball hall of fame, there's no formula for getting there. Right. But there's certain things that have to happen. The championships thing for me is a huge deal for that. And you have to be an exceptional player uh, and probably for a lot longer than Zlatan was here for, if you're not going to win a championship and somehow get a statue, you well, have to have that big of a profound effect on the club in order for that to happen. Well, what I mean, when you look at the two statues that are there, and you're right, you can ar uh, argue about the order, maybe it should have gone linear, whatever. But these are the two guys, David and Landon, that actually changed MLS. When Landon came back from, from Leverkusen, MLS... Uh, just contracted two teams. They're about to go bankrupt. They decided to give it another shot. Landon Donovan was arguably the marquee star and a, an American star that was very important that carried them through that period. And then David came along and changed the league in the other way with the designated player rule and and adding glitz and and opening the the way to Europe. Um, and so the I mean these are arguably the two most important players in MLS history when you talk about making the league successful. Um, so I think in that case they are the first two guys to go and it's nice that they're side by side. Yeah, it kind is. I wish they were looking at each other, you know, like waving. Like they were playing around, like, yeah, they were, yeah, they were like having a kick around. Yeah. Well, um, it was, again, I think it was, uh, it was really fun to sort of watch and to be there and to be a part of that and the history of it. And, uh, I got a got a hug from uh, Todd Donovan and a fist bump from Mike McGee. So it was good to see those guys ar around the club again and just say hi. Uh, you know, got to talk to with Kobe Jones a little bit, too. So it, it was just it was nice to be around people. Quite honestly, let's talk about pandemic things. It was nice to be around people and it was nice to be around uh, people in the galaxy. So anyway, statues out there, you're more than welcome to take a look at it. Maybe it'll grow on me, Kevin. Maybe it'll be one of those things where I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's OK. Um, but I don't I you know, 
I'm not angry. I just don't like either of them. That's just my opinion. And so, you know, hey, maybe they'll maybe they'll be different one day. Um, so we'll we'll take a look at that. All right, uh, let's get to the game though. Uh, an interesting game. Interesting. Do we have to. Yeah, I was to? Gonna, it was an interesting game, and I was going to preface that in the first half, it was an interesting game. Yeah, the um, referee missed a really good game. I mean, I wish he would have paid attention. You know, there are. There are. I, I'm. I'm trying to think of how to say this more diplomatically than I really want to. Um, is there? There are. There are big games, and then there are these rivalry games, and maybe Seattle, Portland, uh, Galaxy, LAFC for sure. Um, I don't know if there's any other games that sort of rival that much energy in a building and that much. But you have to have big game referees. I mean, you know, I know people don't like sort of the big name guys and they're always like, Oh, they make it about, but they understand what it means to be in that game. Uh, Armando Villarreal was the center referee for this. And he had no idea what it was like to referee and apparently in a, a NL Trafico, because of course it's going to be physical, Kevin. It's always physical in the game. The idea is to let it be physical, but not let guys hurt each other. And instead, uh, Villarreal, which I thought it was hysterical. First of all, uh, started handing out yellow cards like it was October 31st and he had all the candy on the block. Um, and it absolutely impacted the way that game, uh, finished. Uh, and in the biggest of moments, he shrunk away from the precedent that he had already set because the we second all, yellow card, the second yellow card in the first half, it was obvious. It was clear. Chicharito was grabbed around the shoulders, torn down away from the ball, delaying a promising attack. It's the definition of a yellow card, which by the way, most of the yellow cards that had happened earlier were borderline sort of yellow cards. And you're like, there was, by the way, there were five yellow cards given in this game, all five of them in the first half. Um, that was it. And you could say maybe the, the second half, everybody sort of shrunk away from that game, which happened. Um, but at the same time, there were big moments in this. And I thought Ar Armando Villarreal, I thought he, he, he sort of, he didn't drape himself in glory in any of these, by the way, he forgot his yellow cards. Did you see that? He forgot. Yeah, he had to get it from the sideline re uh, assistant referee. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was always fun too. Uh, so, I mean, that was the, that maybe the assistant referee should have held onto him. I know it would have been, it would have been a better game quite honestly. Um, it was just, it was, it was poorly refereed and, uh, you know, it got because of the fact that both of these teams were playing the, their third game of three in the week, that second half just sort of went into infinity. So you got all of your scoring done, Kevin, everything inside of the first 20 minutes of the game. And then it was basically, um, while the galaxy attacked well, I think in the first half, it was a snooze fest after that. I mean, um, I, I was, I was sitting there going something you would expect something. Everything was set up correctly in my opinion for this like slam bang second half that was really going to show who wanted to be in this, the, the playoffs and everything else. And the galaxy, <coughs> the galaxy had me fooled, Kevin. The Galaxy had me fooled. I was ready for their breakout. I was ready for them to come out and score like 17 goals. Uh, yeah, you said that. Yeah. You said Chicharito was going to score 10 goals, and you were uh, trying to talk you off the ledge. Yeah. They did hit the, they did hit the woodwork twice, which is not really woodwork anymore. It's more like plastic, I guess. Metal war? It's metal. It's like it's uh, it, it they pings. Did, they, yeah, but they hit the they hit the uh, what do you call it the crossbar the post well the, the upper post v. and the crossbar but you the the goal frame the frame yes yeah. yes and by the way those were like half chances more than they were like full chances I thought Depew had a better header but he was already coming down on that but just looking at this it's a one one game uh, the Galaxy by the way huh big surprise Kevin they allowed the first goal again um, it has been. Now, if you look at this, it is an even number of games, Kevin. I just found I figured this out today. An even number of games, 14 games where they have scored the first goal and 14 games where they have allowed the first goal. 
Uh, they are 10-2-2 when they score the first goal. They are 1-9-4 whenever they allow the first goal. Whenever they score the first goal, they outscore their opponents basically 2-1. Uh, whenever they allow the first goal, they, uh, they get outscored 3-1. Uh, that is the 2021 LA Galaxy right now for you, and you can see it in all of the stats. So they allowed LAFC to score the first goal. Um, it's one of the only four times or five times that they've gotten points after allowing that to happen. So maybe that's a positive thing. But you can't sit there and tell me in that first half that whenever the Galaxy scored that second goal, by the way, a beautifully worked ball, same Grand Seer got put in exactly where he's supposed to, Kevin. Everything was sort of, you can't tell me the momentum for them wasn't in their favor after that and that they couldn't have gone on to win that game. You know the last time the Galaxy led? Yes, I do, but you can tell everybody. It's the last Dale Trafico, the one at LAFC, the 3-3 tie. Uh, that's also the last time they scored more than one goal. And the nine-game unbeaten streak, uh, I don't know what the, the, the nine, franchise nine, record... Nine-game winless streak, sorry. Winless streak, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I don't know what the um, uh, team record is, but I know it's the longest since 2017. There was a 10-game streak. So the Galaxy have a chance to make history, tie history, uh, in their next game. If they don't win again, then it'll be 10 games. They'll match the Kurdonafo ziggy Schmidt streak of 2017. I have to go back and look at winless streaks and win and and unbeaten streaks um, in on on the galaxy, and that's a long, long, long list of games to go through in order to try to figure that out. You would imagine somebody already already uh, took a look at that and, and did it, but um, you know, for me, this is just uh, I don't know. It's par for the course for the galaxy. You listen to Greg Vanny talking afterwards. Um, certainly, he mentioned you know that second half. Uh, looking at all the subs that he made, I think it got choppier whenever that happened. Whenever Victor Vasquez left, I think the flow of the game really left. This is this is one of the things the Galaxy are going to have to put up with, Kevin, is the fact that Victor Vasquez cannot, cannot go 90 minutes. And whenever he leaves, you will lose something out of that. By the way, two Super Chats. Let me get to them. Uh, Patrick uh, sent us a $5 Super Chat and says, set piece defending, uh, which has been atrocious for the LA Galaxy. By the way, three LA Galaxy players rose up to try to uh, get the ball from fall, and uh, he still somehow just ran into a little gap there and, and was able to find it. So um, that was that was one. And then um, Architecto Verbal, uh, of course, says, uh, "Did we have the best tifo in the game th- in the game this year?" By the way, did you see the tifo beforehand though, with the, yeah, five, with the rings? five rings? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was Raul, right? Well, that was Raul's hand. That is it, because I've seen that picture. I know which picture it yeah. was based off of. So that was Raul's, you know, five rings that he has on his hand. Um, Who do you think that was directed at? at? Any group of fans in particular? Oh no, no, just out in the ether, Kevin. They just wanted to. Yeah, they just, just wanted to say, "Hey, remember coincidence? When, remember five championships?" Um, you know, it was one but, of. Those. You know, when, when you talk about the streak, though, we were talking about this before. I don't remember. I don't think it was on the pod. I think it was just we were just shooting the bull, the bull and talking about the Galaxy got off to that great start. Won seven of their first ten games, right? And now the talk is, well, maybe maybe they were overrated. Maybe they were playing over their head. Maybe they weren't that good. I'm not so sure. I, I don't think any of those were lucky wins. I think they were that good. Um, but and, and so then that begs the question, are they now this bad? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a Jekyll and Hyde sort of thing going on right now. For the, it, listen, I will say that I don't think that... I don't think they were as good as we thought, and I don't think they're as bad as this. I refuse to believe the Galaxy can't win a game. Um, whenever it happens. By the way, lightning storm is absolutely picking up outside my window, so I'm fully expecting that we're going to get cut off here uh, very soon. But um, I, I feel like looking at them, 
I can see the quality that they have, and I think that they have the pieces to be able to win these games. I, there's nothing in me that said that LAFC was a better team than the LA Galaxy in that game. I don't think that happened. Um, there's nothing that me watching that RSL game thought that the, that Real Salt Lake was better than the Galaxy. But guess what? You don't get points, Kevin. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, one point from this game is disappointing. It should have been a win and the galaxy, know it. galaxy should have beat RSL and they know it, but galaxy should have beat Austin and they know it. I don't know if this can be fixed if they can't figure out how to score goals, because right now I'm going to be very, very honest. The defense is not the problem in terms of how they're losing these games. Yes, they're allowing goals. Yes, you would like them to have clean sheets, but you're asking a defense that hasn't kept clean sheets all year to suddenly keep clean sheets. That's not, you have to score. Um, you have to score and, and they're not doing that. They're not executing. And if you listen to Greg Vanny, um, and I implore you to do that, you can go on corner of the galaxy.com. We have the full media call there, but listen to Greg Vanny talking about, I asked him, I said, you know, you only got one, <laughs> the galaxy got one shot on goal, Kevin, one shot that on was goal. A score, that, yeah. yeah. By the way, they were a hundred percent on it, right? Grand Seer got put in, he put it on, on net. And that means that, uh, well, they had one shot in goal and two shots on goal. If you think about it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but, it, um, that's everybody always asked, well, you hit the post twice. How come that doesn't count as a shot on goal? It's like, well, because it has to be able to go in and it can't go in if it hits the post. That's not how that's not how shots on goal work. Um, but Greg Vanny said, you know, we're 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 around the box. We're near the box. We're close to where we need to be. He goes, but I feel like we're not testing them. We're not, you know, creating the chances. We're not creating havoc. Shoot the ball. Put it on frame. See what happens. Right. It's one of those. It's like, let's sort of check and see how. Yeah, if something could happen on this and I just see the decisions sometimes that are made um, from either Grand Seer or somebody else where like it's if you cross the ball in this area, then if you put it on frame, something could happen. Right. Um, oh, I heard that one. Yeah, I was going to say I was I, I sort of I, I, I turned my lights down in the studio just <laughs> to see if we could get the the lightning. Oh, uh, there's another one sort of sort of coming around. So um, did your parents ever tell you when you were a kid that th thunder is God bowling? Uh, I have heard that before. I don't know if my parents told me that. I was probably later. Later, yeah, I, I, I would like to point out, growing up in Southern California, where I did close to the close to the coast, we don't get thunderstorms. Um, so uh, that you know, global warming has sort of changed that. So yeah, <laughs> we're, I asked my, my parents used to tell me all the time, and I asked my wife, and she said they don't have any bowling alleys in Puerto Rico. So that metaphor didn't really work for her. I I, I can understand. Um, I don't know. For me, you have to look at this this Galaxy offense. Something has to change if they want to win games. This is it. Well, put the lineup back up. Okay. Can you put the lineup? Yes, I can. Because we, this is a prediction that you had made before, I think before we even got to the stadium. You thought you were hoping and thinking and uh, musing that Chicharito and Jovalik up front as a combination might be a good idea. And I agreed with you. And I think it's better than this lineup. Um, let's see. Uh, yes and no. Uh, there, there are different things. We're now, now it's like right on top of me, just in case you're, yeah, the no, you can really on. hear it. Um, it's a couple different things. I will say this. The Galaxy didn't play very well in the 4-4-2 in the second half whenever they put it together. So if you want to argue that that's better, I would sit there and say most of the chances and most of the good play came from this lineup that you're seeing. Grand Sur, Chicharito, Alvarez, Vasquez, Revelison, Dos Santos, Hamelainen, Depew, Koulibaly, Araujo, and Jonathan Bond back in, uh, in goal. So... Um, you have to be, to me, the Galaxy play better with one striker up top, which is why Jovalich will not start 
um, which is why he will come off the bench because you need to try to get Chicharito going if you're going to do anything. And so you're going to bring him off the bench. Well, Vandy did that in this game, Kevin, and he brought him in early. Um, and in the second half, the Galaxy fizzled. Uh, and Greg talked about it afterwards. He said, you know, whenever you have two attackers up top like that, he goes, that's one less person chasing in the midfield, which means that there's more space for other people to sort of take and, and take advantage of. And LAFC was able to take advantage of that. I will also say uh, that the Galaxy's passing was horrible in the second half. Uh, they looked like they were trying to rush everything. Uh, setting up for, for chances and shots seemed frantic more than sort of settled. So it's... You know, for me, you have to be better if you're going to execute in that four four two. You're you're losing something in that. So well, um, and I still I still think Atari is is mistake prone. He he just always seems to be in the video whenever someone scores a goal. And I know your 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 take on that was he's a center back. He's going to be in the picture, but it, it seems like he's the guy that gets beat. And and Greg had some interesting things to say too about what happened to Kevin Cabral. That was. Uh, that was a little surprising. I thought I thought it was a good question. Damian asked the question. He sort of said, hey, you know, you haven't seen Kevin Cabral. And, you know, Greg was like, well, he played last game. Uh, but you didn't see him in this game because Kevin's well aware of what I want from him and what I need from him. And right now, when we're trying to fight for things, I need more, um, which is interesting to sort of see for a Kevin Cabral, um, you know, sort of was untouchable for a little while, which he should have been. You try to get him in. You try to let him settle. You try to do all this stuff. Uh, and now Vanny's basically saying he's in my doghouse and he knows what he needs to do to get out of it. And this is going to be a motivation for him. Remember, Ziggy did that with Ramon Alessandrini and it, it kind of worked. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it can work for anybody. I mean, it can work if the player wants it to work, right? If the player wants it to be, wants to to respond to that, then they have to. Now, here's the thing, and I know that in our, on our Discord, um, we certainly had a lot of people with a lot of opinions about Kevin Cabral and whether or not and how he's a bust and blah, 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 the whole deal. And I said, you know, he's young and he's very young and you want him to develop. And so this is Greg Vanny taking the long view of Kevin Cabral and his time with the LA Galaxy. Um, I have no issues with it. Um, no issues at, at, at all. So um, I think this. I think you're going to see more from Kevin Cabral. I think if you don't, that Greg Vanny will continue to be like, all right, well, I guess there's going to be a long off season for you to sort of figure out if you want to be here or not. And people say, oh, well, they're stuck with him for five years. They can work out alone. Things can happen. If you really want to get rid of him, you absolutely can. But Greg's not doing this because he thinks he's going to be getting rid of Kevin Cabral. He's doing it as, as motivation. Uh, by the way, uh, Aaron gave us a $5 super chat, and he says, I'm begging Kevin to stop calling him Atari. It was barely <laughs> it was barely funny the first time. So there you go. You know, maybe for another $20, he'd consider it. That's all I'm saying. You know, if you want to pay Kevin off to do something. Um, but it was, it, I mean, you know, it's the whole thing. You go back to Sega though. Um, and one of the reasons that I think we, you need to focus on him is he had a bunch of miscues in this game that didn't get punished and they probably should have been punished. Um, and you look at that and you can't have playing out of the back right now, which is what the LA galaxy want to do is dangerous for them. They don't have a midfield that holds the ball, Kevin. They don't distribute well out of the back. Uh, they get closed down. They get sort of enti- a better team probably turns the LA Galaxy over a couple times and scores some goals off of the the miscues that they had in the second half trying to play out of the back. So it's just, it's too sloppy for me. Um, and that's through the midfield. That's more midfield really than even I'm arguing about defense. I don't like Sega. I think that he's mistaken, stake prone. Uh, but at the same time, I think if you don't put him under as much pressure as you do, that you're probably a better team for it. So that's a midfield. So Jonathan Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, where were those guys in this game? 
um, because I didn't feel like either of them put a stamp on this game to to sort of make it their own. Well, well, Jeff, you know, didn't come off until off the bench in the second half. But remember, John, the whole thing with Revelison was he was supposed to free Jonathan up to be this, uh, you know, box to box uh, midfielder. Um, And uh, I I just haven't seen the diamond, the diamond, he's not a dynamic. Yeah, no. Yeah, you, you, you can't say it either. He's not as dynamic as we thought he would be. He was supposed to to really fill this role and and be the guy that that play that brings the ball up out of the back that distributes. He was going to be the point guard and he he hasn't done that. Yeah. Um. By the way, uh, uh, American Blues in the in our chat room says should have schooled uh, Kevin Cabral early uh, because you can't you can't baby professionals. And so for me, and I'll say this about Sega, I'll say it about Williams, and I'll say it about anybody who was brought into this league by Greg to sort of settle and try to figure out what Major League Soccer is and how it's supposed to work is you can't figure out what's supposed to happen or how it's supposed to work, Kevin, if you're not playing. Right. And so you need to play these guys. You need them to understand. I mean, uh, I was talking to somebody who who was talking about just where where Kevin Cabral came from and, and from, you know, the team that he was in the league he was in there's there. It's nothing like Major League Soccer. One hundred percent guaranteed. It's nothing like Major League Soccer. And we can pretend that, you know, all European leagues are somehow better or more technical than MLS. And I'll tell you right now, MLS is more physical and in some cases is getting more technical than some of the leagues these guys are coming to. So the pace of play, the strength of players that are in it um, are hard to adjust to. I think Kevin Cabral is going to be fine. I still don't have any worries about it. Uh, But if you're the Galaxy, you need Cabral to be good, Kevin, because there's one thing Cabral does better than Grand Sear, um, and that's get in positions to score. Uh, Cabral is much better. Different player. They make different runs. Everything is different, but Cabral tends to get into more positions to score goals. Now, he doesn't finish those, but he gets in better positions to score goals than Grant Sear does. Um, And I think even though Grant Sear got the goal, and he should, uh, there's still some issues there with Grant Sear in terms of how effective he is in his position as well. Well, you know what I hear from players, especially French players, is you're right. MLS is definitely sort of on the level of the second division in France. But they talk about MLS is, as you said, more physical. It's faster. The The travel is really hard uh, for these players to, to get a handle on first year. It's very difficult. And a lot of players also talk about the fact that, and, and, and people are going to hate this, but because there's no promotion relegation and there are playoffs, I mean, think about it in, in any of the European leagues. If you're in a seventh or eighth or ninth place, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to make a European uh, tournament. You're not going to, you know, make it to the top of the league. You're just kind of trying to play conservatively. No one gets hurt and you don't get blown out. In MLS, you know, look at LAFC. They're in ninth place. They got a shot at the playoffs. Teams below them got a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. And, and even teams that that don't, they're not going to be relegated. And uh, Ramon Alessandrini and I had a long talk about this one time. And he said, everybody plays every game. There's no one playing for a draw. There's no one taking time off. They're just going out and and because they're playing with house money, they might make the playoffs, they might not, but they're not going to be relegated anyways. Hey, maybe we make our season by taking down this top team in the thirty third week of the season. Um, so it's a whole different ball of wax. Every game is a is a, a their their take was every game is more competitive game than it would be in France at the middle or end of the season. Oh, bah. by the way, the chat room is taking uh, taken to naming things that you're better than. So uh, Kevin Baxter is better than Kevin Gumbrall. Uh, K Bax wow. is better than K pop. I disagree with that one. A hundred percent. I don't know. That's a good one. That's so. So anyway, everybody has that. Um, 
Let's get to uh, the Kevin ex- Cabral's hair is much better than mine, though. Yeah, absolutely. Look uh, at this. This this is horrible. Uh, I I will ask this. I, I will say this though. Uh, overall, in the game, and listen, love that there were all those people there. I love the full capacity. I love the the noise that comes out of that stadium. Um, but this was a more subdued slash. This was the worst El Trafico I've ever watched. It was boring in the second half, and these teams and not the lowest, not the lowest scoring one. The third one was also one one because we talked about that yesterday. That's what we were talking. Third we one were, was also one. Yeah, it was it was yeah. it was just not there. Uh, I will say this for LA Galaxy fans: uh, you finished the regular season unbeaten against LAFC. Uh, that's a big deal, and uh, I I think the Galaxy are hoping that somehow um, they can keep uh, LAFC out of the playoffs as well. So that'll end that. Uh, the LA Galaxy still have never been beaten at Dignity Health Sports Park, so that's another year of not being beaten at home for the LA Galaxy against LAFC. It's never happened. Um, two draws is the is the best result that uh, LAFC has ever had at the stadium. So um, those are positives in terms of you know trying to sort of fuel this. Now, the ex- you know, but the rivalry yeah. has remember the 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 rivalry started with Vela and and uh, Ibra going mano mano, and even that one one game was I think a, a goal from Vela, a goal from Ibra, and they had that tension and that rivalry in the rivalry. Carlos Vela didn't play in any of the three games this year. Did not play. Which in- I, I, it, yeah, I, I don't know how much that takes away from it, but I mean, he he's he'd scored like almost every game he played in in the rivalry series, and he didn't play any of them this time. And I mean, yesterday's game, you're right, it was it was it was hard to watch. It was boring. It was right. It was slow. Well, I mean, at times it was slow. It, there was just no there there. Yeah, yeah. It was sloppy. But by the way, um, uh, Mr. Provino brought up a, a good point in the chat room. Says you know the only Western Conference team that that didn't beat us this year, Houston is still the the last one that that sits there that hasn't beat the LA Galaxy yet. That could happen whenever the Galaxy go to Houston. Um, so well, Houston and LAFC. Yeah, and so now it would be Houston and LAFC. So until they go to Houston and play that last game, we won't know for sure. But that will be. There's only two teams. Uh, RSL was one of them that hadn't beaten the LA Galaxy, and they beat them. Uh, and then LAFC was coming up, and then they have Houston coming up in in a couple games here, uh, still to look at. So um, that was it. Now, uh, extracurriculars afterwards. Uh, I mean, actually, even during, uh, I was I was disappointed, but not surprised that uh, that LAFC uh, supporters were in there chanting uh, "fu" to Landon Donovan during his his uh, ceremony. Now. Maybe you can criticize the LA Galaxy for that as well. I know you wanted to do it for the biggest game and everything, but you knew those guys were going to be there, and you knew they probably weren't going to behave. I mean, you know, I would expect any supporter, so, sort of visiting fans, especially from your big rivals like that, to to not behave. So that doesn't surprise me. But you know, the the chant during uh, somebody who who quite honestly, Kevin, we've talked about this, saved the league in some ways um, and allowed MLS Don, to even continue. Yeah. Don Garber said there would be told me before that the chant in the game and everything said there would no be there would be no LAFC without Landon Donovan. Yeah, and and because and, there'll and be no national, And he's a national team star. So if you if you can't put aside the Galaxy thing and say this is the guy that led the U.S. to the quarterfinals of the World Cup in, in 2002, all-time leading scorer and leading assist maker, second in appearances, and I could could go yeah. on. No, um, I mean, if I, you can't respect that. It, 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 you didn't have to sit there and cheer, but you didn't have to make your voice heard. That happened during the statue unveiling from inside the stadium, and it happened during the Ring of Honor thing. Not surprising. Uh, I've seen now video of pyrotechnics being lit in the visiting supporters section, and those one of those at least being thrown down on the fans down below. That's not a good thing to have. Uh, I've seen video of what looks like a smoke-filled 
uh, corridor on the east side of the stadium that was because of the smoke that was lit uh, in the supporters field. It looks like it's a, some dystopian future. It's always interesting to see. So I saw that. And then you have uh, the fights afterwards as well. Now, um, I want to get to this because uh, this is something that we talked about uh, a little bit. Uh, the LA Galaxy and LAFC released a joint statement, uh, and in it, it says the LA Galaxy and LAFC are committed to growing the sport and the culture of soccer in Los Angeles and beyond. Uh, blah, 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 blah. We are also committed to providing a safe and enjoyable environment for our guests and their families at all events and games. Fan violence has no place at our matches. The type of conduct displayed at the August 28th and October 3rd games does not belong in the stands or anywhere in our game. The LA Galaxy and LAFC are reviewing fan incidents that took place during last night's match with local authorities and the review of incidents that took place during the August 28th match is ongoing. These incidents violate the LA Galaxy, LAFC, and Major League Soccer fan code of conduct and will not be tolerated. Fans in violation of this code will face disciplinary action, including ejections and bans. We ask all fans of both clubs to respect each other and find common ground as Angelinos and passionate fans of the sport. Let's build together. They put that out in Spanish uh, and in English for everybody. Now, it was incredibly weak. Incredibly weak. Yeah. They knew this was going to happen. Um, one, the teams, one side more than the other, have egged the fans on. Um, you know, they, they've built this passion to a fever pitch and they pack everybody in the stadium and they're surprised when something like this happens. Security was lax. It was slow to react. They had to know that the, you know, the fact that in that statement, they say in this game and the previous game, did, did so we hear anything about the previous game? Did we hear a statement after now. the previous? I, this is the first time no. I, I looked and saw that they were investigating the previous game. Yeah, and, but and my point is, if it happened in the previous game and then they're going to play this game, you kind of think that, hey, maybe we should be prepared because this might happen again. I, I didn't see anything in that statement. There were vague, there were vague mentions of possible, you know, investigations. No, nope, you know, and maybe p- people will be banned or injected. Nothing about anyone being arrested. We're talking about assault. If you did this outside the stadium, you would be facing a prison term. You do it inside the stadium, somehow it's okay. Uh, there is so much to this. Um, it's a game. It's a game. I don't want the Galaxy or LAFC to go to the point where they have riot police in the stadium like it's some South American World Cup qualifier. We don't need that. We need you know people to come to the game to have fun. This is supposed to be an escape from the outside world. People should be coming there to have fun. They don't need to see riot police and 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 people with truncheons and and you know in the stands. But the teams are not doing anything to stop it. If anything, they're egging them on. Why? I'm not quite sure why, because you would think they would want to create an environment. But I do know, uh, you know, again, one side more than the other. Um, those are the most loyal, passionate fans. Those are the ones that spend a lot of money on the team. Those are the ones that carry the team, the team's image forward. You would think that, that both teams would want a better image to carry forward. But I think one thing that would really help, I, I, and and the teams can't do it or won't do it, I think the fans need to start to police themselves. And they know who the bad apples are on both sides. They know who's starting these fights. They know who's starting the trouble. I think that it's up to the supporters' union to weed these people out. It happened when there, there was the anti-gay chance. You know, both teams, both supporter groups took care of that. And I, I, I did a story once on, on Bayern Munich and how they had a problem with a, a lot of neo-fascist fans in the stadium. And the team just refused to do anything about it. Those guys bought their tickets. They can do whatever they want. The fans took it upon themselves to create an environment in the stands where they never asked anyone to leave. They never told anyone that they were out of line. They just made it so uncomfortable for people that come in there and do those kind of things that uh, eventually those people went away. I think uh, I think the Galaxy fans can do that too they can create an environment where that is they can police themselves 
and create an environment where that is just simply not tolerated. Yeah, and, and I will certainly say that um, I have two solutions to this. Um, one is that I will agree with you. I, you know, from everybody I've talked to, and certainly I haven't talked to the LA Galaxy about it. And quite honestly, I don't know if that conversation will ever be had because I'm not sure that you're going to get the right answers, um, the, the correct responses and everything. And it'll be too PR for it to really go through. But uh, there was a failure in security here. You could see it. Uh, the, the fact that in most cases, away supporters are led into the stadium early, Kevin, which happened in this case, and they're let out of the stadium way late after everybody has gone. I remember seeing LA Galaxy supporters up at Bank of California Stadium, you know, some like 45 minutes or an hour after the final whistle, they're still there because they're going to hold them there until everything sort of dissipates. And you get apparently that didn't happen. And whether there wasn't enough security, which I've heard that there wasn't enough security or two, that uh, that the the traveling fans push past that security, which would also lead me to believe that there's not enough security uh, that they push past that and then got into the to the same lanes as the other supporters. So there was a giant melee, you know, that happened on the Northwest towards the Northwest gate after the game. I've seen video of it. I watched it. Um, fans, LA galaxy fans, LAFC fans, everything there. And the bottom line is that it's, and I agree with you. You need to police it. You need to do it. And if you have instigators within your group, you can't let those instigators reside in your group. I'll tell you that. I mean, but uh, it was a, it was a, it was a one, one draw. What makes you think (laughs) I could see if there was a bad call and you're upset. It's a one, one draw. One team's in ninth place, the other team's in seventh place or sixth place. And what makes you think I'm going to go punch someone in the face because of this? The players don't even care that much about this game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways, looking at that second half, I would agree with you. The players absolutely yeah. don't care that much about this game. Uh, you know, I, I, I will say this, and I've always said it. You know, if somebody punches me in the face, now I have to respond, right? And so it's one of those things, and it's like, I understand responding. I'm probably never going to sort of sit there and say you shouldn't respond because it's really hard to turn the other cheek on this stuff and, and the whole deal. It has to get better. Uh, the I have a feeling, it's my opinion, that because of all of the turnover that sort of happened in and around some of these teams, that the people who do security and understand the security plan that needs to be in place for these games just weren't there um, and didn't understand the ramifications of it. So uh, now there's an investigation. I don't think that's going to do much. Uh, I think they're going to end up punishing fans again. And again, they're, in my opinion, the league, uh, the two teams in this case, have put the fans in some dangerous positions as well. Uh, it, the really interesting thing was I tweeted out this statement, Kevin, and I just wanted to put the statement out there so everybody understood. I wanted to explain that there were fights, uh, that there was pyrotechnics, that there were things that were not supposed to happen that happened. Uh, and I wanted to leave it at that. And I got more than, I think, more than one, maybe two or three people who responded back to me and said, this is why I don't come to this game. This is why I'm a season ticket member and I sell my tickets to this game because I don't want me or my family anywhere near that. And I've always felt very safe at the stadium. I sit in the press box. I'm pretty much, I'm up here in this ivory tower. I don't really have to worry about that. But even walking around and and doing stuff, I've always felt safe, whether it's at Bank of California or uh, here for the LA Galaxy. But I understand the sentiment that families are saying they don't want to go to that game. And I think sometimes supporters like to sit there and say, well, good, don't bring your families to that. But that's not how you have this. That's not how you build this. The LA Galaxy need every single season ticket member that they have. Uh, and and we know that, that there's, there's not as many as there should be, Kevin. Uh, and so this is something that can be an issue and it needs to be taken care of. Okay, so. well, first of all, bringing children to the game is important in building the future of the sport. It, today's children who go to the games are tomorrow's season ticket holders and fans. The league needs them. The team needs them. The supporters need them. Okay, that's that's one. Second, uh, when the rivalry first started, I, if you remember, some of the early games had riots too. And I 
pushed both teams. I tried to cover them, uh, tried to ask about security. And what I got from both teams every time was, well, what about them? What about what they did? What about what happened at their stadium? I don't care. I'm asking you, what are you going to do at your stadium? I'm not asking about what happened over there. I'm asking you. The fact that there was a unified statement today made, I'm taking that as a good sign, that both sides are now not pointing the finger at one another, trying to address it together. The people who started this, they went to the game intent on doing this. There was nothing that happened in the game that would have changed them from being a mild-mannered fan in the first half to someone that wants to go punch somebody. That was their intention all along. That's why they pushed past security. Um, in my newsletter tomorrow, I talk a little bit about, and this may be a hackneyed comparison, but I believe it. When you look at what happened in January 6th, where there was a speech and people got fired up and they were told that there was something wrong and then they were given carte blanche to go out and, and, and be violent about it, we saw what happened. I do think that, some, again, one side may be more guilty than the other, but when you fire the teams up and say, this is a rivalry and, and these we hate these guys and, and they're not from our city and, and you create this tribal rhetoric and then you let these people loose – Guess what? This is going to happen. And that's where I think it turns to the fans, because let's, you know, let's be honest on both sides. If there's a thousand fans, probably 995 of them are there to watch the game and support their team. There's the five guys that are bad. And and do you want to be, let, let's get rid of those five. Let's identify those five fans know who they are. And, and, and so that you and I and the other people who are at, there to enjoy the game aren't aren't blanketed with the same criticism because we're not doing that stuff. Let's identify the people who are, they're not real fans. They're cowards and let's get rid of them. Yeah. They don't need to be there. Uh, Brian in a chat room said sports is not family friendly. And I couldn't disagree more. Uh, growing up, I went through all sorts of different sporting events with my parents, uh, with my dad. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that I love going to soccer games, go love going to baseball or football or hockey or anything else. Uh, it absolutely is family friendly and it needs to stay that way in some, I hey, listen, I'm not saying that it has to be rated G language all the time. All right. I'm not one of those people. I like the passion. I enjoy it. Um, my, by the way, my other solution, which I know will fix this, um, is to go ahead and not let either of the supporters groups bring fans into the stadium. And I know people are like, oh, they'll just buy tickets and be undercover and they'll be more spread out. And it's like, yeah, but in what numbers is that going to happen? Much less numbers for sure. So, you know, that's my other solution is to do that. Um, I, I agree with both sides of that. I, I do think people will sneak in and they will cause trouble. But you're right. A group of 500 people, a coward loves that kind of environment. Uh, where they can blend in. Whereas if they're maybe in a row of maybe they got five friends, but yep. they're surrounded by 200 f fans of the other team. Yeah. Um, you know, they're probably not going to act. I agree with you. Uh, it, it, it should be family, uh, family friendly. It should be a time to a diversion, introduce your, your kids to some wholesome entertainment. There shouldn't be any anti-gay chants. There shouldn't be any riots. Um, you know, maybe a curse word or two. Your kids are going to have to deal with that. But um, uh, that's called that's called soccer language, Kevin. Soccer language. Well, I'm, I'm all it, for that. But I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. I haven't been to a Dodger game since 2017 because I think the environment there has gotten too bad as well. Uh, maybe not fights this unless is, you're a giant fan. Th this is this is already. I mean, you know, already I spent way more time on this than I wanted to, just because I think um, one. It, but it's it, important. It's it, important. It does up to a certain point, but I don't want it to overshadow everything else. I mean, for you know, for ninety plus minutes, everybody was you know fairly well behaved, and that's not even true. I can't even lie to myself and say people were fairly well behaved. They weren't well behaved. Um, all right.
Let's get to uh, the, a little bit did, more. Did, did we solve that? We solved no, it, right? No, we didn't solve oh, anything. Okay. No. All right. Like normal, we just added to the fire and the fury and people being mad and blah, 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 the whole deal. Now people are mad at us. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Whatever. It's fine. Um, let's get to a little bit of the, uh, of the standings, though. Um, I wanted to do updated stats. I'm not sure the stats really tell you anything. The LA Galaxy, through 28 games, have 39 points. Uh, if you look at 2019, when they made the playoffs, they were at 42 points this. If you're looking at 2018, when they missed the playoffs, they were at 38 points. Points. I guess you're one point better, have a chance at making the playoffs. Um, so, you know, you're sort of feeling a little bit better with that. But it, certainly if you're looking at this and overall, how good are the LA Galaxy through 26 seasons? You have to say that this is a fairly average uh, year. Um, there is one thing. I'm going to tell you something. It may blow your mind. Uh, we're doing the goal projection. So basically the Galaxy have uh, uh, scored 39 goals so far, which gives them a projected 34 game total of over 47 goals, which is which is good. But let's talk about the defense. Uh, we've been focusing on the defense a lot and been looking at that. Conceded goals to date has been 45, which gives them a projected 34 game total of 54.6, so almost 55 goals, Kevin. Uh, if I told you that that, was the, that would be the best goals against average they've had in the last four years if they finish at wow. you know 55 or 54 goals would you be surprised um it is i guess no i mean you know the bingham years were not great but on at the same token that's a lot of goals to, to be saying this is the best yeah yeah well i mean out of the last four and those, those are pretty horrible uh, horrible stats as it goes um you know and, and sort of looking at but let's put let's bring up the defense just to again put it into perspective uh, if we look at goal differential which again some on the offense some on the defense certainly on that the la galaxy's minus six would be fairly bad um but in the overall scheme of things they were had a minus 19 goal differential in 22 games kevin uh in 2020 so that's something to take, take a look at. Uh, they were minus 22 goal differential in 2017, so they're not as bad as that one. Minus one in 2019. Um, but really what I look at is that from 2009 to 2016, the LA Galaxy finished with positive goal differential. Uh, and the only seasons uh, in the entire history of the club that finished in negative goal differential were in 2005, uh, 2000 and oh these are these are going to be good 2007 2008 uh 2017 2019 uh and 2020 at minus 19 so i mean overall in the history of the la galaxy the goal differentials have actually been you know yeah uh, but we for the for the last five seasons yeah uh, a negative goal differential you know there's really no excuse for that because that means you're clearly by definition it means you're giving up more goals than you're scoring and good teams do not do that yeah that's what happens that's what happens. Uh, if you look See, at, I know I know this game. Yeah, it's, it's really you and Bruce. You and Bruce have this game figured yeah. out. Uh, if you look at uh, the points per month, just something sort of interesting. The LA Galaxy finished with 0. 0.40 points per game uh, in September. Uh, and at least right now, they're they're way ahead of that with uh, one draw in October. They're now averaging one point per game uh, out of one game. So uh, sort of keep an eye on that and look how that continues to trend as well. Let's talk about this, though. The LA Galaxy are, if we look at the Eastern Conference, New England um, with 65 points, they are again chasing the record. They should get there. They're continuing to win. So nobody will be real surprised when they do uh, eventually make the single season all-time record. Uh, and then we have the Western Conference, if we want to take a look at that. Seattle at 54 points right now. Kansas City, 52. Colorado, 48. Portland, 46. Uh, by the way, Portland hasn't lost in like the last nine games, I think is, is what they're at. So as many games as the LA Galaxy haven't been able to win, Portland has been 
been basically winning that's all those games. All those, that's where all those wins went. Yeah, Portland stole them. So um, that's sort of where you're at. Uh, Salt Lake City uh, is at 39 points. The LA Galaxy at 39 points. Minnesota at 38. And let's cover Vancouver right now at 37 points. And that is an important one to pay attention to. Because the LA Galaxy don't play again, Kevin, until October 16th when they host the Portland Timbers. We'll have plenty of time to break down that game, so we won't get into it. Um, But we talk about the international break, the LA Galaxy and the majority of Major League Soccer are on this international break, but not everybody, Kevin. And as a matter of fact, the two teams that are right below the LA Galaxy right now, Minnesota and Vancouver, both play games during this. So on Saturday, October 9th, the Vancouver Whitecaps will travel to and play the Seattle Sounders. Uh, that game, I would expect Seattle to win, but again, with national team call-ups but and everything, they're, they're missing a lot of guys. They're missing like half their, at least half their starting line. And, and Vancouver has been playing a little bit better as well. And so that's something to watch. Then if you look at Saturday or excuse me, Sunday, October 10th, the next day, Minnesota will host the Colorado Rapids. Uh, again, not exactly a, a great Colorado, uh, outside of their beat down in Seattle, which I, I kind of expected. Um, Colorado is playing well and they should be able to give Minnesota a real game, but Minnesota obviously fighting for their lives in the playoffs. Here's where it gets interesting, Kevin. Before the LA Galaxy come back and host the Portland Timbers on October 16th, the LA Galaxy could be below the playoff line. If Minnesota wins their game, they will go from 38 points to 41 points. That would jump them over the LA Galaxy. As a matter of fact, it would jump them over Real Salt Lake as well. Um, If the Vancouver Whitecaps were also to win their game at 37 points plus three, that's 40 points. That would also jump them over the LA Galaxy and Real Salt Lake. So when you do that, you shuffle the LA Galaxy down and they could be below that line in the eighth position. Well, if Vancouver draws, they would also pass the Galaxy because of goal differential, correct? Uh, they would go up, no, because they would go to 38 or thirty-eight points and not 39. So they're two points okay. behind the Galaxy. So they wouldn't get there. Uh, well, he, here's why this is so stupid. Uh, MLS, again, being being stupid, uh, eight teams are going to play during your international break. Um, why it, Now, if you're a good team like Seattle, your best players are away. If you're a team that is not so good like Vancouver, you have most of your best players. So you're it's an unfair game. Now, Seattle should still win, but if they don't and it affects the Galaxy's playoff hopes, um, that's unfair because it's not a it's not a real game. You're you're forcing one team to play without of its without its best players. This is not something that happened. This is not like a guy got injured. This is MLS saying, hey, there's World Cup qualifiers. We're going to make the Seattle Sounders play this weekend, and they're going to play Vancouver. And Colorado is going to be missing some players, and they're playing Minnesota. That's another game that could affect the Galaxy. It's just not fair. Um, again, the better teams, the teams that should win these games are missing their best players. That's why they're the better teams. They have the better players. Um, and it affects them, and it's unfair because they have built these good teams with, with these good players, and now they have to play shorthanded. It's just it's just interesting in the galaxy perspective that literally they'll be sitting on their hands for the next, you know, 14 days. They won't be. They'll be training and doing all sorts of things and and, and getting better. But guys are gone. Uh, we looked up beforehand and I don't even think we have all of the lists, but we were trying to Kevin and I were trying to figure out all the guys who have been called in uh, so far for the LA Galaxy. So uh, Efrain Alvarez, we don't think has been called in. In fact, we looked and he wasn't on the on the list. He's not on the Mexican list. Yep. Jonathan Dos Santos called up by Mexico. Sebastian Legette called up by the United States. Uh, the one bit of news will save him for last because uh, we need to talk about it. Hamelainen with Finland. Uh, yes, Ravellison, we haven't been able to see. We don't know yet, so we'll keep an eye on and see if we can eventually figure that out. Uh, Danilo Acosta, yes. O'Neill Fisher, apparently, yes, as well. So those are the guys who have been called up. Now, the one guy who uh, we didn't mention in, 
there who's been getting some press is Julian Araujo. We've talked about him a bunch of times, Kevin, trying to determine and figure out where they're going to go for or where he's going to go for a national team. Uh, there were some early indications that he would be going to Mexico, and then that sort of pulled back as maybe Julian thought about possibly going to the United States um, and sticking with the United States. Uh, we know that Julian Araujo filed for a one-time switch from FIFA to be able to go from the United States to Mexico for that, and it looks like right now FIFA has approved that application. Now, it doesn't mean Julian Araujo hasn't come out and announced it, and they haven't said it, but all signs are pointing to Julian Araujo uh, making this switch and, and going to Mexico. Now, he could surprise everybody, right? But, I mean, I think everybody's sort of... Uh, Kevin, you and I and certainly everybody else seems to be leaning towards the fact that he's going to end up with Mexico. Well, Greg Berhalter said last week, he said um, he was asked about Julian Araujo because this was the window. This was the time Julian would should have been called up to make his impact with the uh, in World Cup qualifying. And Greg Berhalter, coach of the U.S. national team, said Julian has an announcement to make. He has some news that he'll be sharing with the group later. Um, the coach of the U.S. national team probably wouldn't say that unless the news was, ah, see you later, alligator, I'm out of here. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I do think, he, you know, and, and his agent is also the agent for David Ochoa, uh, the Real Salt Lake goalkeeper, who also – recently filed a one-time switch to go to play for Mexico. So um, I I'm told that there will be no official announcement until Julian is prepared to announce that he wants to be the guy to do it. But we've seen reports in a lot of different media. I had it a, a month ago. Um, so I'm not surprised. I think it's going to happen. Uh, I, I don't think it's the right choice. I mean, we can talk about that later after it's officially announced. I don't think it's the right choice. But it's the choice that he made. Yeah, it's not. A it's certainly not a choice for me to make. If I, I, you know, if I'm in a similar position, which I am not, and I have, I don't have the background that Julian has, and I don't understand all the intricacies that go into it. But just looking from a strict playing perspective, I mean, Julian Araujo went from, oh well, he's third or fourth in the uh, in the U.S. side, so he's probably not going to get much time. So going to Mexico probably makes the most sense for him. To Julian Araujo could start it right back for the for the U.S. men's national team, like you know, next week uh, if he decided and declared for that because he's probably one of the best right, right back pers uh, prospects that they have and with Des sort of struggling sometimes to sort of play the defensive side of things Julian Rajo is probably the best quote unquote box to box guy that you have I don't know if he's a winger I don't know if he's a defender like at the national team eventually you have to figure that out but right now the U.S. men's national team can use it so well, you know and, and Chris Chris Klein talked about that I mean DeAndre Yedlin is not playing well right now um, uh, there's an opening there for uh, Julian Rajo Chris Klein was wondering why when Des got hurt, that Araujo was not called up for the Honduran game. You know, Chris Klein's take was: this is a physical guy that he plays at a high tempo. Um, uh, he is perfect for World Cup qualifying. He may not be the guy you want to play against Sweden in in, in a World Cup game, but for Concacaf qualifying, which is a street brawl, um, Julian Araujo is the guy you you want. Now he wasn't called up then because Greg Berhalter said he's refused the last couple of call-ups we've had. Jackson Ewell has not refused. I can't call a guy up that doesn't want to play for the team over a guy who's been there every time we've asked for him. So um, that was a sign that maybe things were going south. And then when he didn't get it called up this time, um, yeah, I, it, the decision's been made. It just hadn't been announced yet. Yeah, that's certainly what it seems like. All right. Uh, that's where it sits. Uh, this week, we will have a Thursday show. I don't know what we'll talk about. We'll figure out something, though. Um, we'll keep it rolling through this international break. Again, the LA Galaxy not back until October 16th when they'll host the uh, Portland Timbers. Uh, Galaxy then head on the road, I think, to Houston after that. So, um, you know, there are six games left, Kevin, now. Uh, three games at home, three games away. It's split evenly. Uh, so the Galaxy have a chance to do that. Now, having said that, winless in their last nine, uh, broke a three-game losing streak, so I guess that's a positive in, in some way with uh, with getting a uh, a point against LAFC. I'm just, 
if I go back and look at that game, I think that everybody should be very disappointed sort of in how that game finished. Um, but I will say that whatever it was affected both sides because I thought LAFC was listless uh, in the second half as well. Jonathan Bond, by the way, if we're talking about Six man eight. of the match, yeah, if we're talking yeah. man of the match, it's Jonathan Bond for me. Um, I was just going to say that it's his best game probably in a couple months. Yeah, he. I, I thought he played really well. Um, fairly good on the distribution. I thought he was had all the angles. Good decision-making. Good decision-making when he came off his line. Yeah, a couple times he had to do that. Um, two were two two breakaway stops sort of in, in that where they was it was clear and on goal. So LAFC had its chances. I watched some game flow XG stuff and looks like the Galaxy barely edged uh, LAFC in terms of the expected goals in the game flow. So um, all in all, not a bad performance, just not good. And, and it's just it's it's a seesaw i'll tell you right now that out of the last three games the la galaxy played that was their worst one um well, yeah, I, I thought and, they played better against austin and real salt lake and greg had talked about in the real salt lake game how he wasn't down because they played so well and they come out and lay an egg in this one to sort of end this thing on a positive note going back to jonathan bond again the decision making when to come off his line that's the hardest thing for a goalkeeper to do because if you pause if you delay even just one split second you get caught in no man's land you've left your line and now it's too late uh, he he nailed it. Uh, every time he came off his line, it was the right decision. He made the right play. As you said, broke up a couple of breakaways. Uh, you know, a chance at a game-winning goal that I think it was Janela shot that he deflected off the crossbar. Yep, Just, with his fingertips. Yeah, Great save. And the, and the six saves again. That, that's his most I think he's had in a while. So that's the positive thing. By the way, in the Thursday show, you've got a sort of a – a streak going here with a uh, guest who are you going to have this week i don't don't put that that voodoo on me i don't want it's an off week i don't want to even think about guests the the landon guest was a surprise so um so if you have by the way you know who i saw yesterday i i'm i'm told i told mrs pan i'm about 75 percent sure as i was coming up to the press box i passed the guy trying to get into one of the luxury suites and i'm 75 percent sure it was coach beard it was coach Beard. i i heard that perhaps he might be around i actually i heard that some of the uh of the uh uh ted lasso cast was there there may have been more yeah. than one so uh, brendan hunt yeah Brent, that's Brent. coach beard yeah i i didn't i i didn't want to embarrass myself by saying you're coach beard I would say something like, shut up, Terry Henry. But as I passed, I thought, you know what? I should circle back and say something. By then, he was already inside. It was so too late. My chance. You missed yeah. a chance. You could have, you could have had Unlike it. Unlike Jonathan Bond, I did not make the good decision. Mm-hmm. And I waited too long to leave my line. That's that's nothing new for you, actually. So it doesn't that's surprise not. me at all. All right. Are you good? We can wrap it up? Uh, I guess. Do you want to hear some more funny dad jokes? <laughs> all right. If you're looking for Kevin uh, on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Uh, head on over and catch him there whenever you get a chance. Uh, head on over to LATimes.com where Kevin, of course, writes on soccer. He'll be covering the U.S. men's national team as they go on World Cup qualifiers away to all three games. That means we might have a sub on next Monday night, but we'll work about, worry about that as we get there. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find us. Uh, all the full media call is there. Recap, statue unveiling. Larry did a whole bunch of work, um, did an amazing job. So check it out, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right. I think that about does it for me. Uh, for Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, it's goodbye, everybody.